are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Angel, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Nick View. And tonight we have a very special guest joining us and what I feel is a very important topic as well. Joining us tonight is Mr. Clay Hayes, and we're going to spend the next hour to hour and a half discussing getting kids involved in hunting, and we'll likely go down a few rabbit trails around hunter recruitment and hunter retention as well. But before we get into that, if you do not know who Clay Hayes is, Clay is an accomplished boyer, author, and producer of some of the best how-to videos on hunting, camping, and primitive skills as you'll likely ever find. He owns TwistedStave.com, and he also operates the Clay Hayes YouTube channel as well. And you'll also want to be sure to check out his hunting films. He has two of them. Uh, The first one was called Untamed, and the second one was Ascent. And honestly, I think they're arguably some of the best uh, ever produced uh, hunting videos, in my humble opinion. And I'll be sure to leave uh, links to all of these in the show notes. So if you have not already done so, be sure to check those out right after the podcast. Now, with all that said, welcome to the show, Clay. How's it going, man? It's going great. We're uh, sitting down here in Florida and it was about 68 degrees and sunny today. So that's a heck of a lot better than North Idaho. (laughs) What's What's the temperatures like in Idaho right now? I was talking to uh, talking to somebody today, and I would suspect that the average January day would probably be twenty to twenty five degrees, overcast, and a foot of snow at my house. So I'm uh, I'm liking it down here. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long uh, How long you plan on being in in the Florida area? Uh, the plan till spring fall. Do, uh, do I, no, 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 no. Till spring fall. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna be down here until uh, we're gonna be down here through June. And then we're heading back up to Idaho, uh, uh, so we can uh, we can uh, get a good start on the hunting season up there. Well, that's uh, that's a little bit longer than spring thaw. I didn't. I kind of didn't realize you were you were planning on staying in Florida that long. I'm I'm sure you're going to try to get a a bit of uh, hog chasing in while you're down there, aren't you? Oh yeah, we've got got some hog hunts uh, lined up. Going to Georgia a couple of times. I think I might I might take my boy up to to Mississippi up near Starkville uh, this spring to go turkey hunting. That's 
where I went to grad school and got some friends up there. So I might try to hit that up this spring. But yeah, we got a lots of hunting lined up. Where, if you don't mind, where where about you heading in Georgia? I'm going. Um, actually, I've got some bow building lessons coming in. Uh, towards the end of January, I'm going to leave right after that and go over to that coastal hunt that the PBS puts on. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. I'm they, they, the reason I asked TBG's got a, uh, they're doing a hunt down at, uh, Fort Stewart. Uh, I think it's week after next and I was actually going to try to make it and it's just, it's just not going to work out. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to, I was going to be really bummed if you were going to be there and I was going to miss it. So. But let's um let's shift gears a little bit and and kind of get into our topic tonight. I know I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago and kind of threw this idea out there, and I think it's I think it's something that that really needs to be uh, talked about. I don't I don't think any of us are going to have or even think we have all the answers or maybe even all the right answers. But uh, you know, kids in hunting, I guess. To get get us started off, let's let's spend just a couple minutes, and and each of us, and we'll start with you, Clay. You know, just give a little bit of background how you got how you got started, and how were you, you first exposed to hunting, and and what led up to you know uh, pursuing big game. Well, I got into hunting quite a bit different, I think, than most hunters. Um, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. My dad doesn't hunt at all. Um, and I have two brothers, two older brothers, and they have both hunted a little bit, but they're not, you know, they never stuck with it. They, they're not hunters. Um, and I, but what I had was just an intense curiosity about the outdoors and about hunting. And I was just drawn to it. And the other thing I had was the place to, to roam. You know, we, I grew up on a ranch in Northwest Florida, um, had, uh, had my my family's land and but then my extended family had land around it so i had a lot of area just to get out and explore and go squirrel hunting and fishing and things like that and so i kind of got into it on my own but i was really lucky in in that i had that opportunity to to actually get out there and do it so was it uh did you did you start out pursuing small game or and and i guess too did you you know was there anybody that you actually you know took you under their wing or were you pretty much just learning everything as you as you went the hard way no i i didn't have a hunting mentor um i I, when i first started off i guess i probably had a bb gun by the time i was mm, nine or ten maybe and just out you know harassing the bob white uh, and the rabbits and squirrels around the house (laughs) But uh, I mean, that that's that's the way that I got into. I didn't have anybody to, to show me the way. Um, and that was well before YouTube. Uh, so I just kind of figured out things on my own. OK, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to come back to a few more probing questions there as we go through this. But uh, Nick, how did you get how was you introduced to hunting as a kid? Well, you know, it really wasn't far off from what Clay said. I, I didn't expect Clay to uh, to give the answer that he did. I, I just assumed you were born out in the middle of the wilderness with a bow clay. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, I, uh, you know, we were, I, I got two brothers my dad was always a hunter. Um, my grandpa was a hunter. All my family were hunters, basically a lot of, a lot of Michigan farm hunting. My grandpa had a, um, had a hunting camp down in the, uh, kind of down in the Michigan 
swamp as it is and and some of the some of the timber areas down here close to Lake Huron and um it was a big deal for him they always had hunting camp all the time they had you know it was the cabin they had they had poker at the cabin even when there wasn't hunting camp every every Wednesday or whatever so you know they loved the camp element of it and um but by the time I was old enough to really start hunting and whatnot my dad didn't he wasn't really hunting anymore. He was mainly fishing. Hunting kind of just, the the want to hunt kind of just went away. And he was mainly a rifle hunter. Um, loved his loved his percussion cap. Loved his muzzle loader. Did a lot of that. And I do remember that. But I didn't, being the oldest, I didn't really take an interest in it very much. So he didn't, and he didn't push me on it. He mainly got into fishing. That's what he did. And as, as, as me and my brothers got older, he did less and less outside as far as things for himself, he didn't just go fishing. He didn't just go hunting. He didn't do anything like, you know, we were always tagging along and he took us fishing and stuff like that. But my, my first real thing that I did with him out in the woods, I guess, was he would take me, he'd take me squirrel hunting. That's one thing that we would do. I never, I didn't have a gun. I mean, I pretty much had a pocket knife. My dad had a 22 and we'd walk around and out in the woods and he tried to, and he'd, you know, he'd shoot squirrels. I mean, that's pretty much what we did. I eventually got a BB gun, but I had no desire to kill anything. So other than grasshoppers and stuff like that. And my, my brothers both got BB guns shortly after, and they, they actually got into hunting, but I didn't, I kind of went the other way with it. I didn't really want to do it, but we, we had, like you said, Clay, we had room to roam in Michigan. We had a lot of property to go hang out in, in the woods. I was always outside doing something. And I was always with my dad in the woods doing something, whether it was hiking or, you know, whatever we were always out there. So the mentorship part of it, I, I did have a mentor and my dad who would take me in the woods a lot. And I had some uncles that would take me hunting with them too. Um, and I just didn't like sitting in a blind and that's kind of what they were doing. I didn't like doing that. So it got boring to me really quick. Then I got into sports and that was pretty much the end of it. Um, we always, uh, we fished, that was always fun, but not real serious into that. But I think, I think if anything, that planted the seed and got me into it. Just that activity with my dad. So, uh, and when did, and when did, so when did you come back to hunting? You remember the year? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, it was 2009. <laughs> okay, so fairly, fairly recently. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think, uh, the last time I went fishing with my, with my family was, I would have been around 16, 17 and, uh, I probably 16 and I didn't, I didn't do it again and until hunting or anything until I was 27. So I, I was off in the city, you know, I went to college, I was in Grand Rapids. I did, I just, and we got plenty to do around here, but I just wasn't into it. And I had nobody, I, I didn't even know where to start. And it was quite the learning curve after that. But so, so I fall pretty much in between the two of you, my dad. And I've said on here before, he wasn't a hunter and he wasn't, he, he I can remember twice him, him taking a, he had a 20 gauge pump. I can remember him going out and quail hunting, no dogs. He would just, you know, he'd go out and kick up the birds himself. And I don't know, I, I do think he did enjoy that, but my, my father was just so wrapped up. I grew up on a, on a tobacco farm and he was so occupied with the farm. That was his, his true love that, you know, that just trumped everything else. And he would always find reasons to do other things. Um, he did start carrying me and my brother squirrel hunting. I was probably in my early teens before, you know, we did that. 
he was very um, strict from the perspective of uh, you kill it, you eat it. Uh, the responsibility of, of carrying a weapon, he hated, loathed, despised BB guns. So we didn't get BB guns. But I'm, I'm like you, Clay. I was just – I was drawn to it. And I remember as a kid, you know, I was I was making bow and arrows out of anything I could find. I was, you know, cutting saplings and, and actually used uh, electric fence wire for strings and, you know, made arrows out of whatever I could – whatever I could make an air out of. And I remember fletching them with, uh, I cut out feathers out of cardboard boxes and, and glue them. You know, I mean, just whatever I could do to, and, and probably killed some rats and so forth with it, but that was about it. Um, and then my father gave me a bow for my 16th birthday and same way. I, I just had to learn everything the hard way because, you know, there wasn't anybody to teach me. Um, but I still look back on a lot of the, the the lessons that I learned from my father it wasn't so much about the hunting it was more about the I guess you would call it the the ethics or or morals or whatever you want to look at um, but it was definitely not a lot not a lot about hunting so I guess you could say we're probably a lot alike but at, at the same time a, a bit diverse mm-hmm. so if you if you look at our 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 three backgrounds that we just talked about I, I think it's kind of interesting you know Clay you you had a father who cared nothing about hunting nick you you had a father who did um and you know for various reasons you weren't really drawn to it at an early age um my father would do a you know we did a we did a little but i was just starving for more uh nick always gives me a hard time because i i always say i learn more out of fur fishing game magazine um than anything else and i still subscribe to that today just because it's it's such a part of you know, my background as far as, you know, things that I learned hunting, trapping and fishing when I was growing up. But so Clay, I have a, I have all daughters. Um, my youngest daughter has a, you know, she's gone out with me a few times. She, she kind of has a desire to go, but she's very, uh, from a very early age, she's been very focused on her education. So, you know, it, many times I'll ask her and she'll say, no, I've, you know, I've got too much homework to do. I've got this project. I've got to work on whatever. But um, so I've had, you know, I've had a little bit of mentoring with with my daughter. Um, and I know you've got you've got two young boys. So, you know, if you wouldn't mind, you know, share a little bit about, you know, things that that you're doing with your kids and your approach to raising them. Um, to be outdoorsmen, potentially hunters, and and I'm sure we'll have some questions for you based on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, let me first say that I'm I am no expert on raising kids to be hunters. I can just speak from my own experiences, but um, my boys have been immersed in this lifestyle. I mean, since they were born, this is the way we live. We we hunt, we fish, we grow a garden, we live very close to the land. Um, and they have been hunting with us since, with my wife and I, since before they could walk. Um, I've got a picture from a couple years, well, it's been more than a couple years now, um, of the whole family out when my, my wife shot a deer and our oldest boy is, um, you know, he, he was pretty young at the time, but the younger one was in one of those hiking backpack things. You know, he couldn't even walk at that time. Um, and they've, you know, they tag along with me and they've been hunting forever. 
but it's just this past year that my oldest boy is actually, he's old enough now that he, uh, we, we got him a little 22, uh, one of the little rascal 22s. Um, and so he, he's just now getting to the age where he can actually do some hunting himself. But I, you know, we've, I've, like I said, I've had him out since, since day one. Um, and sometimes, you know, most often when you, when, when, when you're out with the kids, it, it, it's, uh, it's a rifle hunt. If you're out with a, you're hunting deer or something like that. And in Idaho, there's not a lot of small game opportunities like there is in the South. You know, we don't have gray squirrels, um, and around where we're at, we don't have a lot of rabbits. And so oftentimes it turns into, to mostly big game hunting. And, you know, when you have the kids in, in order to have any kind of chance at putting meat in the freezer, it, it turns into a rifle hunt real quick. Um, but oftentimes when you have them out with you, when they're young like that, at least for me, there's a fine line between pushing them too much and kind of letting them get away with being a little bit whiny, if that makes sense. Um, Oh, sure it does. (laughs) I can remember, um, I don't, this may have been before our second son was born, but uh, I had my oldest boy out, and he was probably maybe four or five. But I took him turkey hunting with me, and we had a bird that was just fired up. And uh, he probably wasn't but 100 yards from us. But you know how turkeys are. Sometimes they come in just running, and then sometimes they just have a place they want to be. And they, it's hard to get them to move and you got to kind of, you know, change your position, find, find where they want to go and get in front of them. And, uh, we were looking like this bird was going to come in. He just decided that he didn't want to be there no more and he wanted to go. And I, you know, I, I, I looked at that as kind of a critical point. Like I wanted to, I wanted to turkey. I wanted to kill that bird, but at the same time, I didn't want him to have to sit there, you know, cause it could have been another hour before that bird came in. And so we just packed it up and left. Cause it, at that time, you know, I, I can go back Turkey on another day. Um, but I, I wanted him to have a, a favorable outlook on it. So I think a lot of times when you have the kids out, you know, they're, you got to put them first instead of, you know, your own desires when you're out hunting. So, Clay, would you know your 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 son, you know, getting the twenty two and going out? I guess, and I understand the aspect of you know not a lot of not a lot of small game to hunt. But when you say you've been taking them hunting, they've really been more along for the ride and spectators to this point. Is am I understanding that correctly? Yes, they. I, when I say I take them hunting, I don't mean that they're actually doing the hunting themselves. They're just there. You know, they're along. They get to go through the whole process. Um, I mean, from, I mean, everything uh, they're, they're learning when they're out there. Um, everything from finding the game to, to, you know, learning what you can and can't get away with. And then once you put something on the ground, uh, they get a firsthand anatomy lesson. So they're, you know, it's not just a, um, they're getting the whole package before, before they necessarily ever will, will pull pull the trigger they 
they kind of understand what's what's at stake, what's going on um, in the big picture. Yeah, I, I think is that a fair statement. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, I think when the kids grow up like that, I mean, they have a much better handle on what makes life possible. I mean, what makes the world go round? Um, they're they're very very aware of you know what it takes for um for for life to happen i mean life life feeds on death and they they're they've been immersed in that since uh since before they could comprehend what was going on so uh, nick i'm gonna let you step in here in just a minute but that was just a real good segue into one of the things that i kind of wanted to bring up here and you know I have, I have my thoughts and I'm happy to share mine, uh, on this subject, Clay, but I'd like to hear, you know, when you, when you talk about they, they understand, uh, the cycle of life, um, how important do you feel it is for a, for a, a hunter? And, and in all honesty, I don't know that this doesn't apply at any age to appreciate, what it means to take an animal's life. And I'll, I, let me, let me, let me, I guess let me put it in a little bit better context. Um, you know, a lot of times you see uh, hero shots, uh, you know, you know, the gripping grins, you know, you either love them or you hate them. But a lot of times you see, you know, kids that have taken a, a, a big game animal. And I personally, I just have to wonder if, you know, if, if they're old enough to have been involved in activities like you're talking about with your, with your sons to where they, they really are immersed in the role that they play and the, you know, the, the role of the hunt and do they understand and appreciate the weight of life and death taking an animal's life? Are they, are they mature enough to, to really understand when I, you know, when I pull this trigger, something's going to die. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'm romanticizing it too much, but I just, I I find myself constantly wondering that, you know, at five or six years old, are they mature enough to, to really understand the weight of that, what just took place? Yeah. I, I wonder that about that myself. Um, seems that I read an article by Barry Wenzel a long while back in the PBS magazine. That was something along those lines about, uh, small game being a, a good introduction to hunting and instead of just throwing them right into the big game thing. And I, I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, even with my, so my oldest boy is nine and even with him being immersed in this lifestyle since, uh, you know, before he could walk, I, I personally feel like he's not like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him and put him in a box blind with a having have him shoot a deer. I don't feel like he's quite ready for that yet. Um, I, you know, this is his first real. I mean, we went hunting a little bit last year. We went um, uh, did some rabbit hunting out in Idaho, but this is his first real season where there's actually some good opportunities for him to learn a little bit about hunting him. You know, with, with him actually being the hunter himself and uh because there's lots of gray squirrels around here 
you know, we can go out, we can take it slow. Um, we can look at the, the habitat, look at the different things, um, uh, you know, try to figure out where the squirrels are going to be, talk about why they're going to be there. Um, and I think all of that stuff is important in the development of the respect for the animal and the respect for hunting. Um, you know, I know here in the South that it's, it's a pretty common thing for uh, a dad to take their, their kid out and put them in a box blind. And, I, you know, that's, that's up to them. If, that's, if they think their kid is, is ready for that, um, you know, I, who am I to say that they're wrong? But I think personally for me, I don't feel like that's uh, the way that I want to introduce my kids to hunting. I don't want to hand them success. Because I, I, I don't, I don't think that you would develop the proper outlook. You know, if somebody does all of the work for you and all you've got to do is go out and sit in a shooting house and, you know, play a video game until dad says, Hey, there's a deer, shoot it. That's not the way I want to introduce my kids. Now, if somebody else wants to do that, that's, that's, that's their that's their prerogative. Um, but I, I think by, you know, going out and learning, looking at the sign, learning about the animals, that's that for me, that's what hunting's all about. I mean, it's not about going out and shooting something. It's about solving the problem that those animals present. And when we, when we just hand somebody success, I don't care what age they are, you know, if they're eight or, or 28, we take away so much of what hunting is. And I think that's a, I think we're kind of robbing them of that. Well, so a, a, a couple things, a couple things there, Clay, you know, first of all, the, you know, taking the video game that, and we were talking a little bit about, you know, before the show about, you know, the concept of these youth hunts. Um, and I don't want to go too deep down that rabbit trail, but that kind of goes to some of the things that, you know, Nick and I've talked about, about, you know, a lot of times states, and especially on public lands, they'll, they'll have these youth hunts. Um, they, you know, those are scheduled usually right after archery season, but before rifle season. And sometimes it just seems like in some cases people are using it as a, as an excuse to, to get the first jump out in the field. And they're taking kids along that are, you know, they're bored. They're sitting there playing video games because they, they may or may not understand again the the big picture. They haven't they haven't been immersed in it. Um, and I don't necessarily think I have a problem personally. I don't know that I've got a problem with a kid if they want to you know if they want to bring a book along or have a bit bring a book, but you know play a video game. But again, I think there's a large part of the hunting experience that's being lost by, by doing that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but you know, a, a big, it, for me, hunting's not, and, and I know for you guys too, and for most of us, hunting's not about going out and killing something. And, and I think when, when, when we introduce a new hunter and I don't care how old they are, you know, if they're, if they're eight years old or, or 28 years old, when we introduce hunters and just do everything for them, 
which is basically, you know, when you do that. And I get it. I mean, when you take a kid out, you want them to have, you want them to experience success. But I think by coming at it in that way, you reduce hunting, which is a very complicated, complex thing. You reduce it to pulling the trigger. And I, you know, like I said, if, if, if somebody wants to go that route, then, then I'm not going to say that they're wrong, but I think it could be a lot better. You know, hunting can, hunting so much more than that. And when you have a kid, um, and you just, you, you take them out and, and all they're doing is doing the same thing that they would be doing if they're sitting in the room at the, at the house until it's time to shoot something. They're, they're missing out on a lot of what hunting is. And I, I wonder how that might impact their long-term, um, you know, attraction to hunting. I agree with you. And, uh, Clay, because like, I like how you said, you know, eight to 28 doesn't really matter. Um, I, you know, I started at 27, 28 and, um, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, I, I really didn't have the desire to kill anything when I was younger. Um, my dad had taught us to respect life and, um, you know, he, he, he knew it was pretty much a, uh, that was just the means to, it, it, it was just the conclusion to what you were doing when you were in the woods and that if you wanted to eat something or you wanted to, you know, you had to kill it. And that's just the way things were. He let a lot of fish go, you know, he passed on a lot of deer and, um, he had, you know, kind of these not weird morals, but his own morals on what, on what kind of animals you took and what you didn't. And, um, you know, I, I kind of absorbed those, even though I didn't spend a whole lot of time hunting when I was a kid. And, um, funny when I first got into hunting, you know, actually got into hunting when I was 27, um, I was going to spend the, the first year in the woods and not shoot anything. My plan was to not shoot any deer. Mm-hmm. I was going to sit out in the woods with my bow and, and stalk around and stump shoot and things like that. And I was going to learn how to hunt. I just wanted to be out in the woods with my bow and, see where that took me. Now I ended up getting a deer that year, but it was at the very last minute. I mean, we're talking December 22nd and everything kind of fell into place. And I understood it all after I made that kill after that, like everything kind of made sense. And when I'm, I got two little girls, um, six and eight right now. And I've been bringing them into the woods with me since they were really little. They call it going hunting with daddy, but it's not, it's, it's, Really, I take them stump shooting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I liked what you said about teaching them the cycle of life. And it was really hard for my youngest Mackenzie and still is that to accept the fact that I'm daddy's going out to kill something. She's, she's very, very passionate about animals. And every time I go out, I go, I'm going hunting, Ken's. And she'll go, well, are you going to, you're not going to shoot a, 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 a mommy deer, are you? I'm like, well, I might. Why? Why can't I shoot a daddy deer? I'm daddy. Why do you want me to shoot a daddy deer? <laughs> you know, and uh, she didn't get it. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, wouldn't you be sad? And she, and she goes, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, don't shoot a mommy deer with a baby. You wouldn't do that, right? And I'd be like, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, how old? How old is she? She's six. Oh, so yeah. you know, explaining those things to her is interesting because. They've accepted like 
and, and they were too young to remember. She's too young to remember. I, Aubrey has seen a dead deer before and me and me actually harvest, you know, actually processing one. Mm-hmm. She walked in on it when I was doing it and I explained it to her and she was fine with it. She was like kind of weird about it at first, but then she was like, all right, I get it. You're like, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna eat this. I understand. Mackenzie was too young to know, to see that. So she, she was just a baby. So, I mean, she kind of, you like, know, things worked out. Yeah. L- l- like, like you thought, um, you thought that she was too young to be exposed to that. That's what you're, is that what you said? Part of it, um, I think things kind of just worked out where she didn't have to see it. Like I had it taken care of, or I was at a friend's house or something like that, where she was, she was too young to remember it. She didn't, she didn't get it. So, you know, she, she wouldn't remember it anyway, but I would, I would have no qualms now taking anything and showing her like, this is where meat comes from. Cause she's seen meat. And she understands that things need to die for other things to live. And that's really something I've tried to teach them. I don't know if they'll ever be hunters. I don't. But they like to be outside and they understand all of that. I think that's important. That Learning that cycle is important and how everything how everything feeds off each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's very important. You know, with, with my kids, there was no explanation necessary. I mean, it, but, because it wasn't anything that was um not normal for them i mean it it, it they've they, they've been in that like i said i mean for for ever since before they could recall their first thoughts i mean it's just been an integral part of their life and so it's not it, it it's not anything that they would ever even think to question you know and so i it's not like i ever had to really explain that that's just the way it was well, and and that's so that's a that's kind of a unique perspective, I think, Clay. For um, and I'll just be honest, I think in that in that respect, you you, you kind of have a different experience, and your your kids have a different experience than than many of us. In fact, I would dare say most outdoorsmen today have the luxury of, you know, whether that. And that could be argued, well, that's, you know, that's choice and, and those kind of things. But, you know, a lot of us, myself included, you know, I, I, I work a job that takes me, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at a desk. I'm uh, making money to pay the bills. So it's, it's a bit harder for me, even if I wanted to, for my daughter to be probably as immersed in it as your kids are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think... That's a, that's a, I don't want to call it a luxury because it's not, it's, it's choices. Mm. I mean, when you get right down to it, it's choices, whether you, you know, regardless of the, the impact, you know, for the kid, they're just along for the ride. You know, they, for, for all intents and purposes, a kid doesn't have any choice. You know, my daughter has gone out with me. She loves going out with me. Um, She just, for various reasons, doesn't get that many opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's probably a little bit different, although I do, you know, I commend you on it because I think that's one thing that your kids are going to be lucky enough if they decide they want to be, they want to, you know, they want to hunt, they want to be hunters growing up. They're going to have a lot more exposure than than probably the average kid that wants to get into hunting, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. One question I would ask, going back to your, our discussion around the, the video games. And I don't know if, if, if video games are something you've ever touched in your life, Clay, but 
One thing that always strikes me about that is, you know, when you think about a kid sitting in a blind playing a video game uh, and then later putting a weapon in that, that same child's hands inside that same blind, pretty much setting them up for success. One thing that I can tell you about playing a video game is once you, once you master it, you have no desire, to, you, you really have no desire to play that game anymore. You want to move on to the next thing. And I, I've many times wondered, you know, is that a big factor in our, our dropping numbers in not only hunter rec- recruitment, but hunter retention has, you know, in many ways, have we just made it too easy? You know, I, I've, I think about that in terms of, um, older hunters. I've, I've known some guys that have been passionate hunter and most of them have been rifle hunters and maybe that maybe there's something to that and maybe not but um I've, I've known guys that have been passionate hunters just diehard hunters and they get you know 60 you know mid 50 60 and they kind of just start tailing off um they, you know they don't have that drive to go to get out there anymore and i i wonder if they, if those guys could rekindle some of that fire, if they would, you know, pick up bow hunting and kind of get back to some of the, um, the more challenging parts of hunting, because, you know, you spend 30 years, um, hunting whitetails with a rifle and you're going to get pretty doggone good at it. Um, and you know, I don't know, I, I maybe, uh, maybe there's something to that. I think there probably is as far as, uh, things just getting too easy. Um, that there, there's certainly no shortage of, um, products on the market that are, that are aimed at doing just that. Um, I don't know. I I don't know why I've kind of, um, went the other way. I've, I've never, uh, I've never really been a much of a rifle hunter. I just kind of started off bow hunting. So I really don't have a perspective, um, as far as, uh, rifle versus, uh, bow hunting or, even compound versus traditional, really. Well, and, and I don't either. Um, and, and, you know, to add on that, one of the reasons why I did not I did not hunt when I was younger is because I sat in a blind a couple times with my uncles, you know, over the cornfield with a rifle and just sat there and basically just waited for a deer to come out so they could shoot it. Um, and I had no desire to do that. That's why I didn't hunt. I, I thought I was old enough at the time to know, well, hey, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. You know, it feels more like grocery shopping or harvesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like it does, it didn't feel like hunting to me. And I, I was already to the point where, you know, I didn't want to kill anything anyway. And life was like so sacred to me that I didn't want to take it. I didn't understand all that yet. Um, that I, I sure wasn't going to do it that way. And I, I was also a really competitive kid. I was into a lot of sports, and I loved challenges. So that didn't challenge me at all. I didn't feel like I was challenged by that. Um, and that's kind of here's here's my thought on this whole on the whole the Steve. I loved your I loved your question, and I loved your point on the on the video game the, the video game analogy because I think it's an education thing. After that, if if the kid does go out and they do take an animal right away in the blind with dad with a gun they pull the trigger and that's all they had to do 
they can be taught that, okay, son, daughter, you did it this way. There's other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. You can make this harder. There's levels of hard. There's levels of challenge. You can go as far in this as you want to make this harder. Mm-hmm. But the person <sighs> has to want to teach them that and have yeah. that background. Yeah, the, 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 the desire to teach them has to be there. But I think for me personally, um, and I'm not prescribing my thoughts to anybody else, but I want my kids to develop uh, an understanding of the species that they're hunting before they go out and kill something. I don't want to hand them success. I want them to earn it. Um, and I think that it, it doesn't matter uh, if you're talking about a new car or, uh, you know, a um, 150-inch buck. If you if somebody gives that to you, it doesn't mean as much as if you put in the, the work to earn that thing. And I mean, that, that's, that's really what it boils down to, you know, and I think starting with small game, getting out looking for, for oak trees that are bearing mass, um, having some frustrating days where you don't go out and don't see anything. I think all that stuff is, is important in, in them developing the, the respect for the game and um, really developing a sense of accomplishment when they do put things together and, and have a good, successful day. And I, first of all, play. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, playing devil's advocate here, though, you know, there's the, the counter to that, which I don't subscribe to, but I'm still going to say that's the counter to it that you always hear is, well, if, you, you know, if, if they're not successful, they're going to get bored. I think that's, I think that is such uh, BS. Um, and I, I, I <laughs> look, man, here we go. <laughs> here's the deal. I think I, and, and I could be completely wrong on this, but I think you're, if, if you're going to be a, a hunter, I think you're born a hunter. I don't think hunters are made. I think you're born. Um, and like I said, I could be wrong on that. Now, I, I think you could take a kid that was lukewarm about it and have them do some hunting, you know, later on or whatever. I think they will go hunting, but I don't think, and I don't think that you're going to take a kid that's lukewarm about it and have them turn into just like a diehard, passionate, get out there at 3 a.m., you know, day after day after day. I don't think that you're going to make I don't think you're going to create that kind of hunter. I think that kind of hunter has to be born. And on the flip side of that, I don't think you're going to take a kid that's born with that and drive it out of them. Um, I think, uh, and I, and like I said, I, uh, I can only talk from my own personal experience, but when I, this is something that I've been drawn to and I don't know why, but I've been drawn to it since I can remember but when I, um, what the first time, my first season deer hunting, I was probably 13 or 14 years old. One of my friend's dads um, took it upon himself to, to take me deer hunting. And I don't think I saw a deer that whole first season, but I remember, I remember it 
and it, it made an impact on me because I was so thrilled to be out there actually hunting deer, which is something I'd never, I dreamed about. I, I, and I'd never had the opportunity to do it before until he provided that opportunity. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't have success right off the bat. And I think it was three years before I shot my first deer and I was hunting with a, a gun, uh, mostly shotgun at that time. Um, just the unit that we were in, but I don't think, I don't think having success right off the bat is, uh, is important at all to, to developing a hunter. I, and I tend to, uh, well, I'm not going to tend to agree with you. I fully agree with you. I do. Th- I, and I would also agree with, uh, agree with you that I think certain individuals are just driven to the outdoors. They're driven to fishing. They're driven, driven to hunting. I was one of them. So I know exactly what you mean. I also believe there are ways to keep a young person from being bored. And when you start hearing the, in my opinion, when you start hearing the, well, if you don't show them success, they're going to get bored and they don't want to go back. That's your fault. In my opinion, because you're allowing them to get bored. And part of that is because you're putting them in a blind and just making them sit there and wait for the deer to show up. Well, and that was exactly what happened to me. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about hunting. I didn't know anything about the deer. I didn't know anything about any of it. I was just tagging along and sitting in a blind. I mean, if, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I was born. I I don't know. I'm kind of a weird case. Like I know, I know. (laughs) Understatement of the year. (laughs) Well, because I know I'm not as driven as much as you are, Steve. You are no doubt in my mind, we're born to hunt. You, you want to like, it's, it's, it's in your blood. You, you want to go to great lengths and, and, and be out there. You'd be out there every single day. If you could be, I would not be. That's, that's, I love to hunt. I love the outdoors. I love to fish. I'm convinced that if I would have known about traditional bow hunting when I was younger, and fly fishing when I was younger, I would have taken on both of those things and I would have done them and I would have done them a lot. Would that have been my only priority? No, because I was involved with so many other things and that's how it's always been for me. Um, so I do agree with that point. I do agree that if a kid really, really has it and their and their DNA to do it, they're going to find a way and they're not going to be bored with it. They're going to, it's always going to be interesting to them. But I also believe that it has to be cultivated and they has to have to at least be shown what's available to them. And I do think that starts young. Uh, what, what do you mean showing what's available to them? Well, that there's different ways to do things that, oh. I mean, if, if my, like my only frame of reference again was sitting in a blind with a gun over a bait pile. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's all I knew of what hunting was, everybody I knew hunted that way. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of my dad who, you know, I never went hunting with my dad. Um, cause he was kind of out of it at the time, you know, when we came along, he was just too busy. So there's that, like I, I, I had no frame of reference for anything else. I knew, I knew no bow hunters when I was a kid. I didn't know anybody that bow hunted. My dad did not bow hunt. So, I think I think my perspective would have been different had I I loved the bow and arrow, I loved it. I had a compound I shot it bare fingered for a little while. I loved everything about it. I wanted I I wanted to shoot that thing all the time. Nobody I had nobody to show me. 
um, there has to be some, there has, the seed has to be planted. And that's why I like working with kids in archery so much today, because they might not be hunters right away, but they might've also not been born in a, into a family or had a situation where they even know what hunting is other than what they're being told it is or seen on TV or in a magazine at the store. Mm-hmm. They might not have any, they, they just might not have that frame of reference. I mean, we're talking about, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's a city. I mean, yeah, we have country around us, but you have to, you have to have land. Otherwise you're on public land. And then if you have public land, you have to have somebody that'll take you there. You have to have a car. Like a lot of these kids just don't have that around here. You know, whether they're born to hunt or not, if there's nobody there, they ain't going to get there. That's, that's, that's my point. I, I think, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, I, I was born a hunter. It's, I mean, I was, it, I think if I'd been born in the middle of Chicago, I'd, I'd still find a way to do it. Um, but I was just very, very, very fortunate in where I grew up. Um, but I, you're, you brought up something that I got to tell a story. So go for it, man. This, we like yeah, stories. We like stories. <laughs> <laughs> so this last summer, I had a uh, I had a, a young young fella contact me about coming out and building a bow out in Idaho. He was getting his master's degree at Purdue or something like that in statistics. Um, anyway, he he comes out. Uh, he's mid twenties uh, from China. Kid from China comes out builds a bow just ate up with with archery and 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 self bows and all that stuff so he comes out and we, we start talking and I, so i asked him like how did you how did you find me he says well I, I was looking on youtube for some archery stuff and just came across your stuff started watching the videos and then he he started talking about hunting and i i started pressing him on you know, just like uh, how he got into hunting. And this kid, he, he was born in China, grew up in China, came to the U.S. when he was 16 or something like that, has been here since then. But in China, uh, apparently there's like hunting doesn't exist. Um, and so when he moved to the States, he was in Southern California, again, an area where you're just not exposed to hunting. And so... Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it a year before he comes to my house, my place to build a bow. He is under the impression that hunting is not a thing. Like hunting doesn't exist. Hunting was something that happened a thousand years ago. And so he gets into through somebody down there, exposes him to archery. He gets into traditional archery. He starts searching on YouTube for archery and he comes across all this bow hunting stuff. And he says, Holy cow like this actually people actually do this and he gets all excited about it goes to the store uh so he's got a recurve but he doesn't feel like he's like um doesn't feel like he's competent enough with a recurve to go hunting with it so he goes to the store buys a compound a week before the uh pennsylvania season or wherever he's wherever he was living a week before the season opens goes and buys a tree stand goes out on the public lands sets up a tree stand and shoots a deer <laughs> and he learned how to do all wow. of it on YouTube. Um, that's somebody that's driven that, that, that wants to go hunt. I mean, that, there's a lot of excuses we can make, but I guarantee you if, if a kid from China can come over here, figure it out 
and go out there and do it, anybody can do it. He just didn't have, he, he had nobody telling him that he couldn't do it. And so he just went and did it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's impressive. I, I, that, <laughs> that's what In I so thought. many ways, that's impressive. Yes. This very cool story. And when, and when this was this year? It would have been last, it must have been last, last hunting season. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that, that just reinforces that some, some are born with it, some are not. Um, and I, I have to wonder too, how many, how many kids just, you know, they're just, they're, they're not hunters and they're, look at it from the flip side. They're being forced to do something they really just, they just don't want to do. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think all you can do is like, I want my, my boys. I, I can't tell you how much I want them to love hunting as much as I do. And I don't know if they're going to, um, I mean, I look at my dad, my dad is a, is a cutting horse trainer. Horses are his, that's what he lives for. He's done it forever. And he's got three sons and none of us do it. None of us have, have taken up his passion. And I kind of wonder sometimes how he, how he thinks of that. Um, and I wonder, you know, if, if my kids don't, you know, take up the things that I am so passionate about, how, how that might impact me. But I mean, I, I think the only thing you can do is, uh, provide the opportunity, you know, if they want to go a different direction then you know, support them in whatever they want to do. But, um, you can put the, you can put it in front of them and, 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 and teach them when they're young. That's what I'm trying to do. Yep. And you know, it's fun. It's, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, I was going to say, I agree with you completely. Uh, I think that's where I was trying to go in all my ramblings. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so exactly whether they, whether they're going to take to it or not, the point is, however, whoever they are, however, you, how, whatever, which, whatever way you can do it, show them that it's an option that people do this and that it's a, that it's attainable and it's possible. And that there are people that can get them there and resources and show them YouTube, show them whatever. Like here's here's what you can do, and yeah. Well, and and I'll I'll add to that, Nick. I don't think I've I've talked to you about this, but um, so I mentioned you know I talked about my daughter and and without going and you know back through that whole thing, you know my do- my my youngest daughter's she'll be heading to college um, after this school year. And she's been out with me a few times and I can tell you just, you know, one, one situation we went out, um, we were on public land and we actually just heard a deer, um, knew it was a deer just based on the footsteps and that child's, and this is a couple of years ago, her face just lit up and you could, you could just tell then the spark was there Mm -hmm. at the same time just situation circumstances, I haven't been able to flame that, that fire like I would like to. However, I still believe, and I may be proven wrong. I still believe that, you know, as she gets older and finds her, you know, finds her own path, finds her own life. I do think she'll come back to it. And I think she'll come back to me for it. Well, she'll look back on, she'll look back on those experiences. I'm sure with fondness. I mean, it, um, you know, you, you've instilled that, 
um, some, some of those good experiences and that, that she can look and draw on, you know, when she's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't want to cut you off. I'm sorry, man. Uh, I, they, you planted the seed, seed, Steve, like my dad planted the seed for hunting and fishing and I came back. It took me years, yep. but I did. That was, that was a part of my life and I wanted it back when, when I got, when the world was just, there was just so much technical and so much complication. I wanted something simple. And I remembered that in the, when I went back to the water in the woods, it felt like home and, well, you know, and I think, I think she will, like I said, I mean, she loves, she loves, she, you know, she's, she's been shooting uh longbow with me for several years now. I'd have to actually go back and, and do the math to figure out how many, but a long time. Uh, so I know, you know, she has that love and she, part of the reason I never rally really, that's another thing I'll bring up here real quick. And then I got another point I want to get to, but she's always been a very tender hearted child. Um, and while I, I know she understands life and death, I definitely don't know, think she has a problem with, with hunting. And I think she would actually like to be with, I'm even though I think she would enjoy being out there. I still to this day, don't know how she re- would react seeing an animal die. I, d- I just don't. I mean, she hasn't been exposed to it uh, for various reasons, and I, I really just don't know how she would react to that. Um, but that's a whole nother, that's another topic. I will tell you this, because um, this is this is a, something I've been, this whole topic that we're talking about here has been something that's been on my mind for a while now. Um, I've got a, a family in my neighborhood um, that I've actually given two of the deer that I take, uh, I took this year, I, I gave to them, I, you know, I, I butchered it, quartered it up and gave it to them. They're a fairly large family. Um, they can use the meat and I'll leave it at that. Um, they have three sons. Their father does hunt some, but he'll tell you, you know, his, his exposure to hunting has pretty much been gun hunting and, you know, sit in the blind, sit on the edge of the field, that kind of thing. And his middle son is just, bugs him to death and he doesn't have the time he doesn't have the time to take him all that much and definitely doesn't have the time he's he's trying to you know put food on the table and a couple weeks ago i I went to pick up my cooler um from him and and his his son was out there i'm not gonna mention his name but his son was out there and and between him and his dad uh i just asked him you know soon as soon as season's over i'm gonna be getting out and and I'll start scouting pretty much the week after season ends, you know, would you, would you like to tag along with me and, and I'll try to teach you some things and then, you know, see how things go. I'll even take you out bow hunting next year, as long as, you know, I feel like you're, you're, you're competent enough shooting your weapon to go out there. And I don't care if it's a compound or a longbow. Um, and you, you just wouldn't believe the way that kid's face lit up. And, you know, his dad said, uh, I'd be grateful to you because he just, he loves it. and I don't have the time. Yeah. So I think, you know, even if it's not your kid, um, I think there are opportunities out there, uh, to be a mentor. Um, because I, I hear people talking about hunter, you know, hunter recruitment. That's a big topic this day, you know, and, and we're actually talking about having a, a show in a couple of weeks where we'll, we're going to talk about hunter recruitment and hunter retention. 
Um, but a fellow I talked to this week, you know, I'll, I'll admit I got on the phone with him and I was, you know, I was griping and complaining and, and he pretty much put me in his pla- my place and said, okay, besides griping and complaining, what are you doing to fix it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all, we all have that responsibility. We have that role or we just, you know, turn our back and then all we can do is gripe and complain about it, which I don't think is going to get a lot done. So, um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. He's, he's a little bit younger than, than my daughter. Uh, and it's not my kid, but I, I still just seeing, you know, a, 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 a young person's face light up. And you know that that spark is there gets me fired up. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I've taken, so I, I, I used to work for the Idaho Department of Fish and Game. I was a wildlife biologist there for 10 years. And as, as part of that, um, we would, uh, we'd get to take kids out hunting. And sometimes it was their first hunting experience ever. Um, and sometimes you would have kids that were just, um, you know, they weren't super excited about it, but then sometimes you'd have kids like the one that you're describing, which are just, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have somebody to take them. Um, and man, when they got the opportunity, they just, they just came alive. I, I always, I, I really enjoyed, uh, those, you know, turkey hunting opportunities, the youth seasons like that. When we got to take those kids out, man, it's, uh, it's an absolute blast when, when you, uh, get a bird coming in and, you know, if they get to kill something, that's, uh, that's so much, uh, so much better, but, um, just, uh, getting them out there in the woods and, and teaching them about things and watching them soak up that information is pretty cool. It, it, it is very cool. Hey, just a quick question, a little bit of a sidebar here, Clay, but do you, have you ever heard of or know who John Anoni is? Uh, doesn't strike a bell. So when you have a little bit of time, I'll tell you a little bit about him. Now we, we actually, I had him on a, a mid roll segment back when I was doing that. And it was just, honestly, it got too hard to get people to commit to do it. Um, he has a, uh, he runs a program called camp compass up in the, the, the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's, it's, it's a program that he has developed for inner city kids you know, say they want to, they want to get involved in hunting, get in the outdoors. And it's basically a mentorship program that they have to go through. And, and it's not just put a weapon in their hand and take them out in the woods. He walks them through and they, they have steps that they have to go through and goals they have to achieve before they, he ever takes them out in the field. And I, again, camp compass is the name of it. He also started a thing, uh, hunter awareness, you know, the, the ribbons that people do for, you know, cancer awareness, those kind of things. He started one for hunter awareness where he sells these ribbons to raise money mm-hmm. for that he uses back for that camp compass. But I've been following him for about a year and just the, some of the pictures he posts in these kids and the smiles on their faces. It, 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 again, it goes back to what you were saying. Some people are just born to it and it doesn't matter where they're, where they're, where they're, where they're, where they grow up they'll find a way and luckily for all these these kids that that John is working with you know he's he stepped up and put his money where his mouth is and it's it's pretty special to to see like i said follow some of the stories and some of the pictures so you know when you get a little bit of time just 
look it up or look him up on Facebook and uh, it'll put a smile on your face. I promise you. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's uh, I'll definitely check that out. So I don't even know. I've kind of lost track with, <laughs> with the, the technical difficulties we've had. I'm not sure exactly how long we've been, we've been rambling on, on this, uh, Clay, but I, I, there is one thing I'm, I kind of wanted to, to bring up. We've, we've danced around it and touched around it a little bit and, I kind of have my thoughts. I'd like to. I'd like to hear your thoughts and, and maybe even yours as well, Nick. But I don't think there's necessarily an age that you can put on when a kid is ready. I think it, in my opinion, I think it, you know some of that just comes down to: Are they ready? Can you tell from a maturity perspective that they're ready? But you know, what are your thoughts on that? As far as you know, do you think there's a minimum age that a kid should be? Um, should be hunting or, or, you know, other than just tagging along. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. I'm not a fan of minimum hunting ages. Um, and that may seem a little bit contradictory, you know, to some of the things I've said before, but I think it should be up to the, the parents, you know, when they think their kids ought to be ready to go hunting. Um, but at the same time, I think as a parent, you ought to put some thought into it, you know. Um, uh, like I said, my, my oldest boy is, is nine now, and I still – there's a lot of kids, especially in the southern states, that have – you know, they, they're maybe on their 10th deer by the time they're seven. For, for my son, um, I, I don't think he's quite ready for that yet. Uh, I want him to – like I said, I want him to develop some of that understanding. I want him to – uh, develops in that respect. Um, and then I, I'm, I, I, when we, when we are finally ready to go deer hunt and I'll probably take him out on, on a couple of hunts where we're not going to see anything. And, uh, I'm going to make him work for it a little bit. I'm not just going to hand that to him. Um, because I think it's important. I think it's important for him to, to earn things. Um, but as far as a minimum age, I don't, I think it's just a, uh, a maturity thing. I think it's an individualistic thing. Um, and you can, you can look at a, a group of eight or nine year olds, you know, if you take, um, you know, 25 or 30 nine year olds, there's going to be a range of, uh, personalities in that. I mean, some are going to be more mature than others. Um, and so I don't know. I think it just should be left up to the, the parents. Nick, any thoughts? I think you said it perfect. I feel the same way. I don't think you can – kids are – you know, when they when they grow up, they have all different levels of comprehension at different ages. I don't think you can – you can just say – I'm not I'm not real good with blanket, blanket things like that, especially when it comes yeah. to age. It's just not a good idea because you can have a kid that's very mature at seven and three or four of their peers that are, abs- are the most immature kids you will ever meet in your life. And I mean, I'm already seeing that with my daughters. I mean, there's so many different levels and I, I don't know how you could ever do it, but I, I also agree that as a parent, you know, you know where they're at and really only, you know, where they're at. And, you know, of course there's some bias on where you think they should be or not, but you know, it's, they, it's, it's really kind of, up to you and you do have to give it some serious thought on whether or not you think they're ready or not. 
and how much you want them to earn it. I really like that clay with the earning thing. Like, you know, all right, well, how am I going to do that? I'm sure every parent has their own kind of like curriculum on that. Like, do they understand woodsmanship to this degree? Do they understand taking a life? Do they, this, there's so many factors. I don't think you could ever put that down on paper and just decree that you have to be a certain age to do this. No, I, I know, I know 30 year olds that probably shouldn't be, have a firearm. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's fine. I was sitting here thinking the exact same thing that, you know, I, I, I asked that question as, do you think there should be a minimum age? But, you know, it, 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 the pendulum does swing both ways. So I, I definitely would agree with you on that. Uh, and I, I, I'll just echo what what I've heard. I mean, I'm the same way. I think as a as a parent, and, and I, let me try to figure out how I want to say this. As a parent, if you are spending enough, in my opinion, in my humblest of opinions, if you're spending enough time in the outdoors with your child, you should know or have a gut feeling when they're ready. You can't do that taking them out twice a year and plopping them down in the blind yeah i agree with that um you know especially when they're when when that's their what their experience is limited to is, is walking out to a box blind and sitting there um you know I, I think to really get an idea for for what you know when your kid is ready you need to have them out walking around you need to uh, you need to watch how they observe things you need to watch how they interact with things um and it's it's real hard to do that, you know, when you're when you're just sitting in blind. Uh, agree, a hundred and ten percent. And you know, I think back when I was a kid. You know, even though you know my dad, all he ever did was take me take me squirrel hunting. Um, in some ways, I'm kind of I don't know. There's so many lessons that I that I had to learn the hard way that I think they really made much more of an impact on me and really burned themselves into my brain better than if somebody had just better than if somebody had shown me. Uh, so it, you know, I, I think a lot of times it's, they, you have to let them figure it out for themselves. Even if you're guiding them, you have to let it figure have to let them figure it out for themselves. Yeah, I, I could, I could not agree with you more on that. <laughs> Um, let them, let them struggle a little bit. Let them, let them figure it out and it'll stick with them because they'll learn it. They'll learn a lot more by their mistakes than they will by their successes. Yep. And that's true in everything. That's not just hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, I'm, uh, I'll be honest again. I, I, I know we had a, we had a few technical, uh, glitches along the way and the listeners may or may not find their way to hear some of those, depending on how good a job I can do <laughs> editing this thing. But, uh, I, you know, Clay, is there, is there, I'll ask you first, is there, you know, is there anything we haven't touched on that, that you would like to kind of throw into this conversation or have we pretty much beat it into submission? Well, I mean, not, if you want to stick with the, the youth and the kids and that type of thing, then I, I think we probably did a pretty good job. Um, I mean, I had, I had some notes on hunter recruitment and all that stuff, but it's, I mean, that we, that's not that's not important we can talk about that another time 
you know what? If you, you know, I actually, I would love to hear. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We've got, you know, we've got a few minutes. If you want to, if you want to bring it up, if you'd rather hold it and and come back on later and talk about it, we're we're good with that too. Well, let's uh, let's talk about it, and then if you if y'all want to include it or cut it out and do whatever <laughs> you want with it. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Lay it on us. <laughs> Um, all right. So, so what, uh, you, you were talking about a little bit about hunter recruitment earlier. What are your just 30,000 foot view of, of the state of, uh, of hunting in the U S and, and what, uh, what's the current trends and, and, and why is this a problem? Just, just kind of give us, give, give me an overview of what, what your thoughts are on that. Uh, well, um, so I'll, before I before I go down this, I will tell you, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw the guy's name out. We're actually going to have him on the show. His his name is Sean Clarkson. Um, oh, yeah. I've I've really I've spent a good bit of time talking to him various topics over the last two or three months, and uh, we don't always agree, but he's earned my respect for some of the comments that he's that he's made. And he's the one that just flipped this on its ear on me a couple of days ago. But I still struggle, and I'll just throw this out there that you know we. The hunting industry catches a lot of flack, and I think a lot of it's well-earned. Um, and I think it is uh, a, a big part of uh, the problems that we, we face today, not only with hunter recruitment, but with hunter retention. And, you know, I kind of, and you'll hear it called this in other places, the, the big tent philosophy where, you know, it's all about the number of hunters that we we get and i think a big part that gets missed in that and i is i think we're i think in some ways we're hunting we're hurting ourselves at time when we focus on quant- quantity over quality and you know part of that again i think goes back to it, it's it's all about you know success as quick as you can get it as quick as you can post a photo as quick as you can try to get on somebody's pro staff i mean there's so many things about it that i think are the the cause of and i even use the term with um with sean and i hope i don't irritate too many people but i don't think many people that listen to this show will be um sometimes i refer to it as, as slob hunters you know it's the 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 crowd that leaves litter everywhere they go it's um you know, look there's all kinds of horror stories but my point being i would like to see more quality hunters than necessary quantity of hunters now the way sean flipped that on its head with me was okay so you don't like some of the hunters you don't like your quote slob hunters what are you doing to correct that problem and all i could do was sit there and go uh i'm complaining about it <laughs> and i don't have i don't have the answers but i will tell you after that conversation with him i am going to be focused on trying to find some answers and becoming part of the the solution so that's a long way around answering your question but that's really the root of it is i think we get lost in trying to recruit numbers and forget about trying to at least build some quality into the people that we're bringing into the sport. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but I mean, you are doing something. You're taking that kid hunting. You're going to, you're going to mentor that kid. And I, you know, hunting is not something that you're just gonna, 
you know, you're not going to go to some hunter recruitment activity that a fish and wildlife agency puts on one time and just become a, a lifelong hunter. I mean, it's, it's something that's got to be developed. Um, and if you've got somebody like yourself there to help you figure things out, you're, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be able to provide that kid with the context that he needs to be a, a, a good, not only an ethical hunter, but a good representative of hunters. Um, I think a lot of folks don't have that. Uh, and, and that is you flip open Facebook and start scrolling around or Instagram or anywhere else. And that is very, very, very apparent that people have, there's a lot of hunters out there that have very little respect for the game that they hunt. Uh, now, now, so back to hunter recruitment, um, in numbers of hunters, there, there's, I was looking around online trying to, to get some information together and I left my notes in the other room when I had to come out here on the, on the porch. But anyway, I had some notes about, um, hunter recruitment and there's two big arguments for like, why do we need more hunters? Cause I can tell you from, 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 uh, being a hunter myself, having more hunters is about the last thing I want, but there's two arguments um, why we need more hunters. One is, um, funding for the fish and wildlife agencies, because mm -hmm. most of the time, and there's, there's a few States that have, um, uh, run things a little bit differently, but most of the time your state wildlife management agencies depend on license sales and Pittman Robertson dollars, which is Pittman Robertson is a, an excise tax on ammunition, firearms, arrows, things like that. So those are the two big funding sources for wildlife management agencies. That's, that's important that, that, that there's, there's something there. The other, um, the other argument is political pull. Uh, I think that's a much, I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch to, 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 to say that we can influence political pull or political influence on hunting issues by increasing hunter numbers. And the reason being that, uh, right now less than five, like something like 4.7% of the U S population hunts or has, or, or held a hunting license this past year or whenever that survey was done last couple of years. Let's just, for example, say that we have some phenomenally, uh, successful hunter recruitment campaign and we add 20 percent to the to the number of hunters well now we're up to so right now uh, when i when the survey was done that i was looking at there was like 15.4 million hunters in the u.s well you add 20 percent mm -hmm. to that and you're at 18 something um well, now, instead of 4.7% of the population, you're at 5.6% of the population. It's, you know, I don't, I'm not a expert on political science or anything like that, but it's sure hard for me to, 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 to think that that extra 1%, less than 1% is going to have that big of an influence when it comes to politics. Um, am I wrong on that? Or do you see anything, any flaws with that, that thought? No, no, nope. no, I don't. I don't. All right, it's well, basic math. <laughs> I mean, 
So the, I mean, the, the, for me, I mean, that's, the, those are the two big arguments that you hear all the time is, is, well, you, we, we got to have more advocacy for hunting. Well, no, we don't. Because if you poll the U.S. population, the vast majority support hunting. Even though they don't hunt, they support it as long as it's done for some reason that they uh, um, feel is appropriate, like food. You know, you start asking them about specific types of hunting, bear hunting and, you know, hunting with dogs, things like that. Your support starts going down. But if you just say, do you support hunting? Uh, the, the majority of the U.S. population will say yes. We don't have to fight for uh, support for hunting. It's already there. We just have to maintain it. But um, when it comes to, you, you mentioned quality of hunters. Uh, when it comes to maintaining that support, that's what we need. We don't need more hunters. We need more better hunters. And I completely stole that from someone. I cannot remember where that quote of, uh, originally came from, but that's a total plagiarism. <laughs> um, but you can, you can see it on, on social media all the time. I mean, um, people just, people just post stupid, stupid things without any thought of who could potentially see the things that they're posting. Um, and sometimes I go through there and I just, I don't ever engage with them because it's, you know, if you question them about it, they just bristle up and they say, oh, well, you know, it was legal and, but right. that doesn't make it acceptable to the, to the, you know, public at large. But I think if we had more, you know, good hunters out there being good representatives of hunting, we're going to be better off in the long run and people to kind of start to call some of that stuff into question that, that, that is posted on Facebook. Just an example of that. Uh, this has probably been, it's been over a year ago. I was, I was flipping through Facebook, scrolling through there. You know how, when, when you go through there, uh, the videos on there just start to play automatically. You don't have to tap on them or anything. I was going through there and there was a fella, in his pickup truck, had his cell phone in his left hand. He was driving, pulling up to um, just a spot out in the woods. And when I when I saw, I saw some movement out the out the windshield of his truck. And when I when I saw what it, when I saw it, I knew exactly what it was. Well, he got out. He was checking his trap line, and I have no, I I've, I have nothing against trapping. I've trapped, I've trapped a bunch of foxes, coons. I mean, I, I ran a trap line for years. Trapping is not something that is uh, a, a spectator sport. He he took his cell phone, had a red fox in a trap, in a steel trap, which was running back and forth, hitting the end of that trap, flipping over. And he's filming the thing. And I'm like, oh my God, are you trying to get trapping banned? You that type of thing is what is given because the, the, the person that's in San Francisco or wherever they're at that has, first of all, they have no context of hunting. Then you put this video up there, which is also out of context. How can you expect that person to draw any other conclusion other than 
hunters and trappers are a bunch of knuckle draggers that have no empathy for wildlife. That type of stuff is what's given hunters a black eye. And if we had more better hunters out there that could call that type of stuff into question and, di- and engage with these people and di- actually have a meaningful dialogue, that's that's what we need to maintain that that support that's already there. So there was a, 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 a I agree with everything everything you said, Clay, and there was some really really good things that you said there. I I, I do want to spend just a few minutes and and dive into a few of them if I can. Um, if I can remember them all. Uh, so the first one, when, and you, you hit the nail on the head. When I'm saying quality, I'm not – I guess what I'm trying to say there by quality is I, I wish I could – I wish I could choose all the people that I want to be representing me and speaking for me, or at least I want to feel confident in in the, you know, all these, these hunters that we're recruiting that, that, you know, they can, I'm comfortable with them representing me as a fellow hunter. Yes. Um, And I think that's the same thing you're saying there. The, the other thing, and I'll go back to, um, as far as the the numbers and percentages and so forth, one one thing that uh, I didn't I didn't hear you get into that I would like to touch on is in some aspects we are still our we are our own worst enemy in so many ways, and one of those ways is you you said that the, the the majority of the population supports hunting and i've i've seen the i've seen the same thing and you know uh, sportsman's alliance has they've done a lot of studies around that as well and i've read i can't quote many of their numbers but uh, they say the same thing the majority of the population supports hunting it's when you get into various sub whatever you want to call it sub genres or types of hunting that's where you start finding some some people that are object to uh, that object to this, they object to that, and that's where the anti-hunting groups really latch on. If if they think they can get um, uh, sympathy from a group of people that really have no problem with hunting, but as soon as you bring up, I don't know. Uh, the term trophy hunting is a good one. Um, bear hunting, maybe it is the you know the the hunting bears or or deer or coons or whatever with dogs. They focus on that one little small subset where they feel like they've got enough sympathy from from people to to pass legislation. And even within our own ranks, we've got a lot of people that. If they don't do it, then they're then they object to it or they're they're opposed to it. Mm. And I think from that perspective, the numbers can really hurt us because we're quick to. And I, I I'm not a I've I've hunted rabbits some with dogs in the past. I've never hunted deer or hogs or bear or anything like that. I don't have anything against it. I've just never done it. But I have seen a lot of times where you get people that have some kind of opinion about whether or not a certain again uh, legal type of hunting is is okay by them and it comes down to that whole you know they when they came for you know one group i said nothing i came for another group i said nothing and when they came after me there was nobody left to stand with me and i think that's something we do have to keep in mind um yeah i i, I see where you're going with that but i don't think 
I just I don't see how we can bolster hunter numbers enough to make a stand against. Uh, I don't I don't see how we can bolster hunters enough to to really have a significant political pull. I could be like I said I'm not a I'm not a political science expert. I, I could be completely wrong on that, but that's what I. That's what I speculate. Um, now, what I, I think could help with that is putting those things, and bear hunting is a perfect example uh, because bear hunting is something that's poorly understood by the general public. It's poorly understood by a lot of hunters uh, because mm-hmm. it's not something that's, that's uh, it's not something like whitetail that is just ubiquitous and is widely, widely available. Um, but I think when we, when we, when we do bear hunt, you know, if we, uh, are careful to put that in the context, it's accepted. It's the, it's the things that, that are, um, it's the things that are presented out of context. And I, the, I almost hate, hesitate to bring this up because it was, it was kind of a, divisive type of thing but the the spear hunting the the spear the bear spearing thing that was from a couple of years ago i mean right. I, I don't know if you guys watched that video but it was a i mean it was a, it was a it was completely out of context the way he the way those those folks presented that that hunt mm-hmm. um you know i think if 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 somebody wants to go uh you know hunt bears with a spear that what cool that's fine fine by me i don't that that's uh that's something i would want to do <laughs> um but if i did that you know and i made a video about it you better believe i'm going to put a hell of a lot of thought into how i'm going to present that to the public because it's not just other folks that see eye to eye with me that's going to be viewing that you got right you know you, when, when you put something out there on youtube or Facebook or wherever, you got to realize that anybody in the world can see that. And if it, I mean, like the the court of law, if it can or it can and will be used against you and not only you, everybody else, all the other hunters, I mean, you got to think about how you frame things, especially when it's controversial like that. I agree completely. It's all perception. That's where we are today. We, we can't, I don't think we can sway anybody politically, like you said, but we can work on our perception. And like yes. it or not, we're being judged every single day. And there are basically two kinds of people that don't care about that. One are the types that just put whatever out there like it's their own personal journal and no one's going to see it. And two, the I don't cares. We're basically, oh, well, you yeah. tell me I can't hunt. You'll see what I'll do. Well, what are you going to do? You going to do it illegally then? Because that's the road you're heading down. Then, <laughs> I the, mean, the, yeah, but to but those but are the, the challenge there is. I'm sorry, go ahead, Clay. I was just gonna say that those are the people that 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 scare me the most. The the ones that act just absolutely belligerent. You know, when they when they put something up that uh, up there and somebody, you know, questions them about it and they just like bow up and bristle up and say, "What are you gonna do about it?" You know, it's like, God, man, yeah. you're not you have no concept of the impact that you're having 
not not just for you, but for for me. I mean, I don't care what somebody else does. Most of the time, I don't. I really don't care what somebody else wants to do until it starts to impact me. And and it can be a stretch to understand how someone else posting something on their Facebook feed or Instagram impacts me, but it dang sure does. When uh, when it provides ammunition for folks that want to, you know, start curtailing the things that I like to do. And I again, I agree with you, but it it can be a slippery slope. Um, just, you know, and I, I get what you're saying there when it, you know, could have an impact on me and what you're saying there is, you know, in the public eye, it could, you're lumped in with somebody who's doing something that is not received well, but at the same time, there are things that, and I I definitely don't want to get into these. I'm going to hit them at a very high level, but there are things that are quote legal. They're made legal by the DNR that I don't necessarily agree with. So I'm, I fall into that. Sometimes I'm part of that, you know, I'm my own worst enemy because there are things that are legal that I don't agree with. And in, while it's, it, it, I think it has the appeal, the ability to impact me in a little bit different way than what you were just talking about. But, you know, there's, I'm going to be very careful here because I really don't want to get into specifics on this, but let's just say, you know, there are there are practices that are legalized in in uh, bow hunting or deer hunting that are having an impact on bow hunters short, you know, potentially seasons getting shortened because um, success rates are going up, um, uh, altering, you know, deer behavior by, you know, artificial means. And I'll leave it at that. Again, I'm not going down that rabbit trail, but sometimes it, it, it's hard to draw a line of what you want to stand for and what you want to accept knowing the consequences of either one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, uh, we could sp- <laughs> I know, we can spend you, four hours talking about this. <laughs> uh, um, but I, you know, I think what we can do is when when we do post something online, and I, you know, I put out a, a new YouTube video every week, and I'd say r- roughly thirty five percent of it is me hunting. And every time I put out a hunting video, I'm very, I, I, I put thought into how it will be received, not only by hunters, but but non hundred because it can be seen by anybody. Um, right. And so I think thinking about, eh, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're all preaching to the choir right now because the people that are listening to the podcast are, are probably already putting some thought into what they're posting online. It's the folks that aren't part of these communities that, you know, are, are um, out there kind of, you know, giving us a black eye. But what we can do is, uh, not all the time, but, you know, on occasion, try to engage with those folks. And, uh, you know, if they if, if you call something that they've done into question and they bristle up, just say, hey, man, I'm um, you know, not, not trying to pick a fight with you or anything like that. But just realize that you're not just representing yourself. You're representing hunters as a whole. Yeah. And and that's pretty much exactly what. Mr. Clarkson was saying to me when I talked to him the other day, I mean, you know, it's, you, you have to put yourself out there and not, 
I would dare say probably one in 10 is going to be willing to listen to you and have a discussion. The other nine's probably going to blow up, get mad, bristle up, especially if it's something that you're doing, you know, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth it. I, I think it's worth it for that one that you might, you might uh, turn them around. You know, I don't say turn them around. You might want, you might get them thinking. I think that's the best thing you can hope for is you can get them thinking. Yeah. Well, I, um, Facebook is pretty, it's, you, it's easy to find very volatile people on Facebook. Um, you know, they get set off by very like seemingly <laughs> inconsequential mm-hmm. things. Um, but even folks that, that their immediate reaction is to blow up. I, the, the folks that I have engaged with, um, I found that if you just don't go there, you know, if you don't get emotional and, and it's hard, God, it's hard to, it's hard to maintain, um, you know, a, a, a level head sometimes when people are, you know, bashing you and, uh, trying to get you to fight with them. But it, if you just, uh, you know, don't get emotional and just present facts, a lot of the times those, those folks will calm down and, and kind of talk with you a little bit. Very, very sage advice, Clay. <laughs> very sage advice. I think we probably should go ahead and try to wrap this up. I think that's probably a, a good place to stop. Um, may reach out to you again to continue this conversation in the future, Clay. Uh, I've, we've, we've really, really enjoyed having you on the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and spend some time talking on something, which is obviously something we're, we're all three very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the opportunity. Nick, thank you for your support as always, brother. Yep, and it, man, Clay, it was great talking to you, and it's it, it's an honor to have you on the show. And uh, looking forward to see what else you come up with, man. I I still to this day, every time I watch Untamed, I just get chills. And uh, you know, and anybody asks me what what I do is all about, I usually show them that video because it's well, just well, I appreciate that. It, yep, um, yeah, it's it's just. You talk about building a narrative and perception, you are doing that every day, man. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're both we're both big fans. So <laughs> Well, Clay, thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, and if you're not already, please subscribe and take the time to leave us a rating or a review. It helps keep us motivated to to bring you great content and above all it introduces others to the show so until next time take care everyone thank you